0: From hrgrapevine.com, it's the HR Grapevine Podcast. Hi there, everyone. Eric Niewerowski, host of The Pod. Thank you for joining me this week. And in this episode, I want to continue to talk about well-being and specifically how sleep can impact it. So how have you been sleeping? For me, some nights it's good, some nights it's bad, but I'll tell you this. When I wake up in the morning, I know immediately how my day is going to go, and that is based on how I slept the night before. So, to help me unpack this concept of sleep and well being, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Narina Ramla Khan. Narina is a physiologist and a sleep and energy expert. She's a published author and has given TED Talks around all things sleep and well being. So, she's really the perfect person to chat about this with. So, Narina and I are going to talk about why sleep is so important when it comes to employee well being and what employers can do to make sure that their employees are getting a good night's rest. So now, even though Narina and I were talking about sleep, it was a high energy conversation. I got a lot out of it. I hope you do too. So here is my chat about sleep with Dr. Narina Ramlakhan.
1: First of all, it's an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. So, my background I'm a physiologist. I have a doctorate in physiology. I'm called a sleep expert. I'm an author. I've just uh, written four books. Well, not just written four books, I've written four books. Um, and my work, my mission really is to help people to sleep really well and to live their lives with more energy. I think I believe that when we sleep well, um, we tap into our energy and we we can feel more fulfilled. We can live more fulfilling lives, and that's what my purpose and my mission is about, and so in the last 25 years, my work has taken me into corporate environments. I've worked with professional athletes such as Chelsea Football Club, Mm-hmm. 10 years of working in psychiatry with people with severe sleep problems. I go into schools. So we all sleep, don't we? Or we try to. So yeah. I work with anyone who's struggling with sleep or wants more energy or feels stressed. And at the core of this is the personal uh, journey, uh, my own personal journey, because as a baby, I couldn't sleep. And this continued until my 30s. And mm. by magic, when I started helping people to sleep, I started healing my own sleep problems. So I had a great night's sleep last night.
0: Yeah, I I think mine was last night. I slept pretty good. The night before was tough. And we'll get into all of that. Um, There's a lot of reasons in the world right now that people are staying up late at night. Right. Mm -hmm. Aside from the normal day to day struggles of familial relationships, kids. But work but then you factor in a war in Ukraine, uh post-pandemic hangover. Now I think a lot of people are up at night just thinking about how are they going to keep continuing to feed themselves and keep the heat on as we're as it seems like we're heading heading into a recession. So when it comes to all of this, if you wrap all of those issues together, why is sleep so important when it comes to employee well-being?
1: Ah, great, great question. Um, you know, when we sleep well, we know how it impacts on how we feel the next day and you wake up in the morning and you feel great. Um, I like to encourage my clients to, and I will come to your point about employee well-being, mm-hmm. don't worry, we're going to get there. Um, but to, to think of it as a continuum, the day and the night are a continuum. And the way you're going to sleep tonight, it you're starting to impact on that from the moment you wake up. Every choice you make up when you, from the time you wake up, every choice impacts on how you're going to sleep at night. It all lands in your nervous system, the way you eat, the way you move, the way you breathe, the conversations you have, whether you hug people, whether you smile, whether you feel angry, whether you hold things in, whether you let it out, how many times you pick up your devices, everything lands in your nervous system. And that summation of choices is what then impacts on how you sleep at night and when people sleep well you know given that nature has cleverly designed us to spend a third of our lives sleeping Mm -hmm. we sleep well and we can talk about what that means but when we sleep well we're kind of restored on so many levels, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and I believe spiritually. And when I use the word spiritual, I'm talking about inspiration, creativity, choix de vivre, you know, mm-hmm. so we can show up as our best selves. And so I think uh, employers and leaders and managers who create cultures in which it's conducive for people to get good sleep, they are actually directly or indirectly whether they know it that they are creating cultures in which people can show up as their best selves they can mm-hmm. present their best selves and if we drill down into what that means it relates to the and this isn't a shameless plug for my last book
0: my most recent book but please, I have, though, please. yes it's your platform yes please
1: <laughs> well in a, April, I published a book. I deviated slightly from the subject of sleep and I published, I had a book p- published called Finding Inner Safety. Because for 20 odd years, I have realized that we sleep when we feel safe. Mm-hmm. We sleep when we feel safe. Well, what does that mean? And how does it relate to employee well being? Well, you walk into to environments where work environments where people feel safe. You can feel it. If you're a sensitive human being, you can feel it. And I have been doing this for 20-odd years. I would work, walk into some investment banks where it would hit me in my solar plexus and I would think, gosh, I didn't know then, back then in the day, I didn't know that I was picking up on fear and control and perfectionism. Or I would go into other environments and I would feel, oh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a media environment. Or I'd walk into another firm, of PR firm, and think, Gosh, this is frenetic. This is crazy. Yeah. This is, uh, can't breathe. So leaders create cultures within um, uh, around them. Managers create cultures within their teams. We create microcultures around ourselves of safety. And when people feel safe, guess what? They sleep at
0: night. Yeah. So when you say a good night's sleep, break mm. it down for me. What consists of a good night's sleep?
1: Yeah, so I like to move away from talking about hours. You know, oh, mm-hmm. well, I'm you know I'm measuring my sleep, and here's me sitting here with a with a device on my finger. Yeah, uh, but I encourage people to think about simply how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Um, do you feel energized? Are you looking forward to the day ahead? And well, um, some people just naturally don't feel like that first thing in the morning. You know, right. they're, they're not. They're not built that way. They take a while to warm up because their energy cycle is different. But generally, I encourage people to think about how does it make you feel life, you know, after you've slept. And in in Hindi, in Sanskrit, there's a word called uh, sattvik. Satvik means pure. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we sleep well and we're getting pure sleep, we're getting the right amount of deep sleep, the right amount of REM sleep. We make, We wake up feeling refreshed, revitalized and looking forward to the day ahead. Yeah. And for some people that might be five hours, for mm-hmm. some it might be eight, it might be 10. You know, I know that at the moment, because I've been working on a very intense project for the last two weeks, I need to catch up. I need a little bit more sleep. Mm-hmm. And I've been having some very early mornings. So I need a, probably a couple of sort of lions, which means getting out of bed at seven yeah. instead of 30 or six, you know, yeah. So it's it's this encouraging self-awareness. And you talked about earlier, if you've had a bad night, you know what kind of day that you're going to have. Well, actually, I, I invite people to think about, okay, if you wake up and you haven't slept so well, a reframe is, okay, this is what's happened. This is how I'm feeling. What do I need to do today in order to get the kind of energy that I want for what lies ahead? How do I eat? How do I drink? How do I move? How do I breathe? Do I need more natural daylight? You know, do I need to cut myself some slack in between meetings? Do I need to get out and walk more Mm -hmm. so that we can have the kind of day, kinds of days that we want to have when we wake up feeling tired after less than optimal night's sleep?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I lost my mom back in January very suddenly. Um, And I noticed, I think one of the, the, the biggest effects that I had sort of, unpacking all of that grief was impacted my sleep. Mm -hmm. And there were some nights and even still now where I'm restless and I can't sleep. And I've never had a problem with not falling asleep, but yeah, after my mom passed away, I noticed how much that impacted my sleep either couldn't sleep at all or like an absolute log, right? Where, and I think that was just a combination of too much adrenaline or just pure exhaustion, but not physical exhaustion, just mental exhaustion. So when you deal with something like that and the sleep impacts the well-being, I guess I guess just w- what are some like e- like before we get into what employers onus is when it comes to employee rest, I guess I'd like to know from you, what are some things that people can do <laughs> when it comes to not being able to sleep? I've tried them all. I don't know if they necessarily work. I'm, I'm certainly I know I'm not the only one, but for the listeners out there, what are some things that we can do to try just that word try to get a good night's rest
1: okay so there's a few things but first of all can i just say i'm i'm really sorry to hear about ah, your Thank life. you really sorry and and i i know that you've asked an amazing question there but if i can just say as well um and you probably know this but you have to give space to your grief yeah. um you allow the space for the grief because it never you know i i've gone through my i i'm still going through grief processes and Mm -hmm. we have to give space to it and when we don't give space to grief it will or whatever we don't give space if we don't give space to whatever needs to be felt it will often show up when we're quiet and when we've kind of the phones away and stepped away from the inbox and the kids and the whatevers yeah then it shows up and goes ah now i've got you and then these emotions trickle up uh, bubble up from the subconscious unconscious right now that's uh, so i will sometimes ritualize my grief process i I have a favorite chair in my house where i sit and i contemplate Mm. it's probably where i will go where i think ah hello grief you're here again And I will try and find, even if it's five minutes, to sit in that chair. And if the tears come, and I've been known to go from going, you know, sitting in that chair and having a big cry to, right, wash my face, makeup on, I'm on screen Mm -hmm. half an hour later. Yeah. Knowing that maybe I haven't completed the cycle, but I may need to come back to it. But you, you, otherwise it builds and builds like a tsunami. And that's when it can affect your sleep. So that's the first thing is supporting yourself in the right way. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you're doing, the right things, but you've got to allow space for it. Yeah. Otherwise it will hit you in one of the two most common ways of um, sabotaging your sleep or the, one of the two most common sleep problems, or you might have them both. The first one is difficulty getting to sleep. The one you mentioned, mm-hmm. sleep initiation. The second most common one is sleep maintenance. Waking in the early hours can't get back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now let's, let's look at a little practical toolkit for this. I have a huge methodology, which I've developed in 25 years. They may not be any surprises in it for you, but let me, let's just have a go. Yeah. But the first stage of my methodology is sometimes surprising to people. And it's rather bullishly called the five non-negotiables, because these are the five things. So if you met me in person, you would see that I'm pretty small. You know, I'm about five foot one. I weigh about 50 kilos, and I'm pretty small and I would go into these environments like investment banks. I would be on the trading floor hollering at 200 traders, trying to get them to listen to my presentation or right. in a boardroom or something. So I, I may be small, but I'm often, I pack a punch. I will suddenly, things will come out of my mouth and I'll say, listen, you need to do these five things and it's non-negotiable. And if you do these, it'll help your sleep. So this is where my five non-negotiables came from years of working in environments where I think people aren't going to do these things unless I I put some punch into it. Mm -hmm. So the five non-negotiables, you want to make sure you are doing them for seven to 10 days because they will reset your nervous system and they'll start steering you from the adrenaline Sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, which is what's going to happen with the great shock of grief. And then as the grief abates, you're still left in that post-adrenaline. You may still have a high level of cortisol in the system. We want to steer your nervous system, steer you out of that part of your nervous system into the parasympathetic, which is, which is your rest and digest part of the autonomic nervous system. Rest and digest. It's rest, repair, recovery, immune function, sexual function. Digestion and sleep—that's what you you want to be firing on. Okay, so the five non-negotiables. Number one: eat breakfast within thirty to forty-five minutes of waking and getting out of bed. Okay. Thirty to forty-five minutes. Don't do intermittent fasting if you've been through what you've been through. Mm-hmm. You need to reset your your nervous system, and you're not sleeping well. So eat breakfast within thirty to forty-five minutes. Make it protein, fat, carbohydrate-rich, nutrient-rich. Number two. Don't use caffeine as a substitute for food. You might need to cut it out completely. Mm. Have caffeine after two in the afternoon. And don't have a cup of tea or coffee before you've eaten your breakfast. Eat your breakfast first. Then you might allow yourself one cup of tea or coffee a day or none at all. Okay. Number three, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And it's going to be different for everyone. Great. And you might even alkalize it. So I drink a mix, a cocktail of half coconut water half water sometimes i put a pinch of sea salt into that if i'm mm. talking a lot I'm going to be dehydrating i'm dehydrating right now I have talked a lot today yeah so I've had lots of calls i had some meetings so I know that I'm going to need to go on a dog walk and not talk keep my mouth closed breathe through my nose drink a lot so that's the third hydration number four get to bed earlier around four nights a week being in bed around 9 30 10ish. You don't need to be asleep, but you're off your phone. You might Mm -hmm. be reading a book, the book's paper. You're not reading on an electronic device. You're priming your circadian timer to accept rest. And I like that you used the word, how do we set ourselves up for a good night's rest, I think. You don't need to sleep. Think about the word rest. Go to bed earlier. Rest. It might be meditating, journaling, gratitude practice, reading something that's relaxing, listening to a podcast that's relaxing, or a meditation. That's the fourth one. Number five, cultivate a healthier relationship with technology. Get your your phone out of the bedroom. Don't let your phone be the last thing you touch. Don't let your phone be the first thing you touch. Don't look at your phone during the night. Have an electronic sundown before you go to bed. Take tech breaks during the day. So I've done a TED Talk called Come to Work and Rest, which is about on a 60 to 90-minute cycle, getting away from technology, taking at least 5 to 10-minute breaks, tech-free breaks to empty the working memory, to sort of defry the brain, if you like. You know, yeah. these are the five things you do these for seven to 10 days and then you can start working deeper. Then you can start looking at sophisticated, you know, more advanced breathing techniques. You know, look at Epsom salt baths, look at magnesium supplements, look at your bedroom being a sanctuary, <coughs> look at lavender, sight, sound, smells. Because
0: yeah.
1: you've gone from being what I would call a martini sleeper, can sleep anytime, anyplace, anywhere. hmm. Oh, you've become on my spectrum the sensitive sleeper who's who's become more sensitive as a result of a life event.
0: I guess I want to shift the conversation. I want to end it with this and 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 how what the employer responsibility is when it comes to that, mm-hmm. what is the responsibility of the employer? And I'm, even though this is a podcast dedicated to an HR audience, I think we need to be uh, uh, open and say, it's not an HR. Well-being is not an HR issue. It's a company wide issue. And it's definitely leader led top, top down. Mm-hmm. What sort of things can employers yeah. do to yeah. make so, sure that their employees is- are resting well?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, well, <laughs> look at my podcast, uh, my yeah. TED talk, you know, a TED talk, Come to Work and Rest. Encourage employees to build recovery, intermittent recovery into their day. Mm-hmm. Get to understand the science of energy and recovery and principles of homeostasis and equilibrium, equilibrium and oscillation, that our energy oscillates on a 60 to 90 minute cycle. And this means that if people are going relentlessly back to back from one thing to the next, um, meeting after meeting after meeting, they're going to start to burn out. So encourage recovery. It, encourage its intermittent recovery. Encourage your leaders to talk about how they're building recovery into their days and try mm-hmm. to make it really practical. Get them to say that they're going out for their for their walks, every hour or hour and a half for five minutes, they're not taking their phones. Yeah. Get them to talk about. They're taking lunch breaks where they're not on their phones. Get them to talk about. They don't expect people to re- to reply to emails in the night and in the evenings and when they're on holiday and in the middle of the night. Get them to talk about the fact that, that you know they are they're practicing mindfulness first thing in the morning so that they can be more conscious as the leaders because there are layers of responsibility. Sure, it's top-down. It, it starts at the top, and leaders need to be uh modeling the behaviors that they that they are allowing their employees to, to follow. And managers, for managers to say, I expect you to take a lunch break, but I'm not going to do it myself, that's rubbish. You need to be doing it and you need to be talking about doing it. Yeah. Get your employees to hydrate themselves because if they hydrate and they are well hydrated. For obvious reasons, they're gonna to need to take breaks. So there's a little things like this, but get behind the science of oscillation and recovery that human beings become stupid when they're working relentlessly without recovery. Yeah. And that level of agitation sticks in the nervous system. When we don't recover during the day, it impacts on sleep. We go into bed fried. And the quality of sleep is poor, and you wake up with less energy. So, your battery power is running on 60% as opposed to 80,
0: 90%.
1: Understand the science of recovery.
0: Yeah. And then build
1: practices around it, which your leaders are doing, your managers are doing, and individuals, because it's also up to the individuals as well. And create cultures of safety in which employees can go, help. It's safe to say, help.
0: It sounds like that it's just employers and bosses and business leaders need to respect the space, right?
1: They need to respect space and they need to model, model it and they need to understand the science of it and they need to lead by example. And then they need to disseminate that education through the layers of responsibility. You know, There are layers of responsibility, which is the leaders, the managers, senior managers, the managers the, and their teams. And each individual Mm -hmm. needs to take responsibility. And this means wake up in the morning, eat your breakfast, get your energy in the right place. Yeah. And because if you're off balance and living on five cups of coffee before you've hit the workplace, Mm -hmm. you're off balance to have that conversation with your manager, which is, I'm struggling. So you won't have a proactive conversation. You'll go in there in tears or, or you'll be saying, I'm burning out, as opposed to, we have a problem here. There's an amount of work that needs to be done. I'm great at my job, but I'm only one person. How can we make this work? That is a proactive, energized conversation where someone who's running on full battery power is able to negotiate a delegation base. But if you haven't eaten your breakfast and you've had five coffees before you've had that conversation, you're off balance.
0: Well, once again, huge thanks to Dr. Narina Ramlikhan helping me unpack the science of sleep, how to get a good night's rest, and connecting how a good night of sleep can really impact well being, especially at work. I don't know about you, but I am going to try her five non-negotiables for a good night's sleep. I got to say the caffeine thing is going to be tough, but I'm going to give it a go. Let me know how you get on. Comment, LinkedIn, send me a message. Once again, big thanks to Norena and thank you for listening. This is Eric Niverowski and I will talk to you again soon on the HR Grapevine podcast.